0: Hello America, and welcome to a new edition of John Solomon Reports, a podcast from Just the News, where today, in the middle of war, in the middle of crisis, in the middle of one of the biggest inflationary periods in recent modern history, in an era when gas prices are going up by leaps and bounds, Democrats in Congress sprung out of the blue, a $1.5 trillion spending bill, and no one's had a chance to read it, but they want to vote on it. No one has a chance to read what's in it. There's no CBO scoring to understand its impact on the deficit, on inflation. It's just being pushed through as though the people's business is not to know what Congress is about to do. A remarkable, remarkable event. We've got Congresswoman Kat Kamek from the great state of Florida on the show in a little bit. She's going to give us her reaction to that bill, as well as the horrific scenes, the extraordinary violence, death, mayhem, chaos in literally tragedy that Russia is inflicting on Ukraine, a children's hospital in a Ukrainian city blown to smithereens, mass graves. The images of war are always painful and powerful, always disruptive and difficult to digest. But today, they're more so. These are some of the worst images I've seen in any era of war, and uh, it is a reminder that Europe is on the brink of a very grave tragedy and we all need to be keeping a pet. So that. We're gonna talk a lot with Kat Kamek about Ukraine. Should we do a no-fly zone? Some people like it, some people don't. We're gonna ask her about that as well as, was Joe Biden prepared for this moment? What do I mean by that? Well, he has been telling us since November, December, he thought Russia might invade. So what planning, what strategy, what contingencies did he create for the gas market, the oil market? Not many from his press conference yesterday, we found out. We basically went into the war and he waited to even pull Russian gas out of the market until the political pressure in Washington was too high and he had to bend. No plan how to replace it. No forethought. Just seat of your pants. We saw this in Afghanistan. Now we're seeing it in Russia. And you, the American public, you, the car driving, truck driving publics and workers. You're paying for it. Gas is double what it was a year ago. It's going to go higher because the market is tightening in a very significant way. We're not willing to unleash the American energy expanse we had. The president said something yesterday that we know not to be true. He said, I haven't withheld American energy exploration. That is simply not true. It's not true. Leases have been withheld. And the Trans Canada. Keystone pipeline was shut down that was 830,000 barrels of American North American oil being shipped into this country that are gone poof gone it's about three to five percent of the market every day gone now, you're going to take Russia oil away. What do you think is going to happen? You know already the price is going to keep rising. Uh, so, we're going to talk all about that. And then, in the second half of the show, I'm very excited about this. We have former Israeli ambassador Michael Oren on the show. He spent two segments with us last night on our TV show, Just the News, Not Noise, with my great colleague. Amanda had and uh, he made some very strong comments about the state of the world about how dangerous the Ukraine Russia conflict is towards hurtling towards a wool war or a nuclear war. He also had some very strong statements about the lack of leadership by Joe Biden, the extraordinary unexpected leadership of President Volodymyr Zelensky in Ukraine and a little bit of prodding to his own country of Israel, very strong in the Middle East. He said it's time for Israel to stop being neutral on the issue of Russia, Ukraine. He pushed his own country toward a more aggressive posture against Russian aggression. You're going to listen to that interview. It's a really great interview. I think you're going to enjoy it. I don't want to waste any time. I want to get you right to these incredible interviews. So We're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, first up, Congresswoman Kat Kamek from the great state of Florida, followed by the former Israeli ambassador to the United States, Michael Orn two big thinkers, two people who always make news when they're on the show. We're looking forward to having them both on right after this commercial break. titlelock.com today and protect your most important asset the equity in your home all right folks as we draw near to another critical election it's not only about casting your vote it's about elevating your voice making your voice be heard amac is more than just a senior discount organization they unite like-minded patriots like you and i And so much more. It's a community, not a service. Take advantage of our election year sale. Four years for just thirty dollars at AMAC. By joining over two million Americans, they can't ignore your voice in Washington anymore. Join now at AMAC AMAC.us slash just news. That's amacus forward slash just news. All right, folks, welcome back for the commercial break. So glad to have this next guest joining us again. Joining us from the great state of Florida, Congresswoman Kat Kamick. Congresswoman, great to have you on
1: hey, so great to be back. Thanks for having me on.
0: You have been a cogent voice throughout the Russia-Ukraine crisis. And I just want to get your reaction to these images we're all seeing today of this children's hospital being blown up, the mass graves of young kids and parents Mm. being placed in there. Um, This war really has gotten to a, a very ugly point very quickly, hasn't it?
1: It's horrifying. Absolutely horrifying. I mean, these are images that conjure up the the world war ii references of you know yeah. entire cities being um shelled and uh, you know these children who are innocent victims in putin's game that he's playing because this is for him this is a it truly is it seems like a game um and this is all about ego and it, it's horrifying absolutely horrifying what we're seeing uh, my heart just breaks
0: Yeah, so many people, too. It's just hard. War is always hard. But when you see these moments like today, it just puts that extra apple into your throat. Um, This president yesterday, after enormous pressure, bipartisan pressure from his own party, uh, from Republicans long before that, the oil industry, finally said, you're right, we shouldn't have Russian gas in the market, Russian oil in the market. I'm going to put a stop to it. And the question I have for you is that if the president knew this was going to be a war, he's been warning since late November, December, there could be a problem. Where was his plan? Is there a failure of planning to wait until three weeks into the war, or two weeks into the war to say, oh, we're going to get rid of gas and not really have a solution for it, having to scramble to go to Venezuela, Iran, wherever he's going to get his next oil from?
1: Well, you know, John, I think it's beyond a failure to plan. I mean, this is deliberate negligence. Uh, and misdirection, as far as I'm concerned, you know, the intelligence community has been accurate in their assessments for the last year when it comes to the Ukraine-Russia conflict. And to see that we in Congress authorized lethal aid back in fall of last year, it never made it. And, you know, it was being slow walked by this administration. To see the half and excuse my language, because there's no other way to put it, the half-assed attempt when it came to the sanctions. Uh, you know, oh, we're going we're gonna to sanction one oligarch, but not another. We're going to do this industry, but not another. They were half in, half out. And, and Putin took that as a green light, not a red light, and went all in. If we were going to get tough and do this the right way, we should have been all in last year. We should have been all in on the swift banking. We should have certainly on the domestic energy front said, you know what? We're going to authorize the permits that are outstanding. We're going to approve the six LNG uh, applications that have been pending for the entire time that the Biden administration has been in office. We are going to start up the economic engine that the, energy domest- the domestic energy industry provides for this country. And we're going to go back to being energy independent. And heck, we're going to start exporting and we're going to do it to the EU. We're going to help our friends in Germany become less reliant on yeah. Russian energy. But they didn't do that. And it, it speaks volumes of the fact that Biden would rather do business. With an Ayatollah who screams death to Israel, death to America, and a socialist dictator who has no regard for human rights or the rule of law, he would rather do business with them than with American companies who can produce clean, safe, and efficient energy for our country and the world, but he refuses to do it.
0: That speaks volumes yeah it's stunning it really is stunning and, and the lack of planning the lack of preparation it seems like everything is by the seat of the pants uh we saw it in uh, the withdrawal of afghanistan but it really becomes more accentuated in in a, a moment of war uh the president stood before the cameras looked directly into the cameras yesterday and said it's not true that i've restrained american energy protection since i came in now I thought I saw 830,000 barrels of oil that used to come through the Keystone Pipeline that doesn't because of him. Do you think he told the American public the truth yesterday?
1: No, he lied. He absolutely lied and then doubled down on that lie when Jen Psaki stood in front of the press corps and stated that there were 9,000 leases that were going unused. There's 9,000 leases that are going unused because this administration has refused to approve a single permit. They have refused flat out every single attempt to produce energy here in the United States. But more than that, the regulatory environment, the framework that they have created with all the red tape and all these heavy-handed bureaucrats have forced these industries to go dark. They're doing this across the board, but energy took the first hit because they were a prime target for this Green New Deal agenda that they have. Which, again, goes back to nobody in the world produces energy cleaner, safer, more efficiently than the United States. But they're more content to have people with no regard for the law, no regard for the environment like Venezuela or Iran, produce energy for us. This is terrifying. And it points to the fact of what you said. There's not been a plan. But more than that, they're willing to lie. Because that is what happened yesterday. The president, he lied. And his administration doubled down on it. It's unacceptable, and they need to be held accountable for that.
0: Yeah, there's no way to say it other than that statement was factually not even close to being true, and and yet the media doesn't challenge it. A few hours later, um, Vice President Kamala Harris says, uh, don't worry, we're going to build you a clean new future where you're going to take that electric bus and it's going to drive you around. The problem with that is that people are dealing with $4, 5 $6 gallon of gas now. And that Mm -hmm. clean energy future, if it ever happens, is 10, 20 years away. How do we know that? They started investing in 2008 in solar energy. We only get 3% of our our total electricity from solar today after tens of billions of dollars. Are they selling the American people a long-term solution to a crisis that actually has short-term pocketbook implications for mom and dad and grandma and grandpa?
1: Absolutely. I mean, listen, I've got constituents that are paycheck to paycheck, um, seniors that are on fixed incomes. Um, heck, even, you know, our, our hardworking families. <laughs> I'm married to a firefighter. Yeah. He filled up his, his truck the other day, and it was close to $100. When you're standing at the gas pump trying to make the determination, do I put in half a tank? Do I put in a full tank and just forego the groceries? Do I not sign uh, my my kids up for the after-school program because can't afford it now? Do I pay the electric bill, or do I pay... Um, For groceries. These are decisions that are literally happening every single day now, because gas has not just doubled, it's more than doubled in some parts of the country. And you think of the effect it's having on all aspects of our economy. I talked to a, a gentleman who has a timber operation, and he is a regular consistent source of product for the mills in the area. And we know that in Florida, we got about a thousand people moving to Florida a day. Construction is off the charts. Um, And because of the supply chain crisis, courtesy of the Biden administration, we do not have windows, conduit, concrete and lumber as just a starting point of where we're short. When I talked to my timber operator, he said, Kat, I'm looking at between 10 and $15,000 a week in increased fuel costs. I work off of contract and market prices. I cannot make the margins so my option is to shut the operation down. Mm. I can't I can't continue to pay out of pocket to do business. So that means that the price of lumber because now we have these operators shutting down and going dark, right. it's going to continue to increase the price of lumber and and other and other inputs around the country. Things are bad, they're about to get a lot worse. Hold on tight. That's that's what I'm telling folks.
0: Mm. Yeah, you're so right. So it's so amazing. Well, only got a couple minutes left. I want to make sure I get this in. Uh, there's a growing talk about maybe a partial no-fly zone. Some people seem to like it in the security community. Some people worried about it. Where's Congress hearts? Where's your personal heart on the idea of Americans trying to enforce a no-fly zone over Ukraine?
1: You know, I, I think it's a good talking point, but let's be honest, we're not interested in starting World War III. And if people really understood what a no-fly zone is, they would think long and hard about what that entails. Enforcing a no-fly zone is much different than talking about it, and enforcement means you actually have to have boots on the ground and capabilities and weaponry in country to take Russian jets down. That is only possible if we have an active role on the ground, and I don't know about you, but I am not ready to send American uh, men and women into battle to fight for uh, a war that is not ours. To secure a border that is not ours when we have an open border crisis playing out on our southwest border. I'm not there yet, despite the fact that there's been a lot of talk about it. I think if people really understood what a no-fly zone was and what it took to enforce it, they would think twice. Yeah,
0: there's no doubt about it. Last question real quickly, Congresswoman. $1.5 trillion spending plan just shows up to this morning. Ta-da! No <laughs> one scored it. We're in the middle of massive inflation, and now the Democrats want to put another $1.5 trillion on the fire. Your initial reaction to that bill?
1: It's disgusting. You know, I was up at 1 o'clock this morning waiting on bill text. Uh, I went to bed at 1 o'clock. The bill text showed up at 1.22 a.m., <sighs> and it's, it, It's going to be a lot of pork. We know that. In fact, I just did a Facebook Live showing um, our followers on social media. We printed the entire bill out, and the entire team has divvied it up. They've been reading through it, finding all of the poison pills that are in it. And not just that, but this right here shows how broken the process is. You've got an omnibus bill that's going to be over a trillion dollars. People don't know what's in it. There has certainly been clarification that there are earmarks within it, which gives me incredible pause. Yeah. But fundamentally it violates Rule Twenty One, Clause Eleven of the Hundred and Seventeenth Congress rule book. Members are required to have seventy two hours to read the bills. It's been twelve hours. This is ridiculous. The American people deserve transparency and accountability and to know what is in these dang bills. And Nancy Pelosi is denying the American people mm. the right. know what is in this legislation it's a shame and i'm frustrated as you can tell
0: for the right (laughs) reason you're trying to do the people's business but you can't if you can't do due diligence it's just not fair and
1: it's not fair it's not right
0: well i know you're going to do your best to expose what's in there so the american public are smarter and we're so grateful you i know how busy the day is so grateful congresswoman you could join us and get us up to speed on all these incredible issues
1: now thank you so much for covering it appreciate all your work and keep it up. Have a great rest of the week. We'll you keep as well. Out.
0: Thank you, ma'am. Really appreciate it. Thanks. All right, folks, we're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, we're going to play some excerpts from the interview we just had with the former Israeli ambassador to the United States. Really big stuff he talks about. We'll be right back after this commercial break. You know what, folks? Stress may be why you can't lose weight. If you've got moderate to high stress like I do, a doctor formulated weight loss supplement called Lean could be your solution. Hey folks, can your IRA or 401k stand up to the next financial crisis that our top economists are saying is right at our doorstep? By allocating a percentage of your retirement into physical gold and silver with a tax-free rollover, you can diversify and safeguard your holdings from a turbulent market. Good evening, America, and welcome to Just the News, Not Noise, the show that focuses on the facts and eliminates all that noise. Coming to you from Washington, D.C., I'm your co host, John Solomon.
2: And I'm your other co host here in Los Angeles. John, a short while ago, Joe Biden traveled. With the Secretary of Veterans Affairs down to Texas to, and I quote, deliver remarks on expanding access to health care and benefits for veterans affected by military environmental exposure, such as burn pits. This is part of the president's unity agenda for the nation, according to the Biden White House. And while he just visited Texas, he certainly didn't tap into their oil reserves while we are seeing a plummeting stock market and rising gas prices. Unity, okay. Okay.
0: Yeah, now that unity agenda isn't extending to Europe, where there is a lot of discord between Russia and Ukraine. Two million refugees have now left Ukraine, creating the largest crisis since World War II. In addition, we have several efforts at a ceasefire that has not have not succeeded. We continue to have significant violence. and while all that's going on, The U.S. has its hands out to Russia saying, hey, could you help us get a new Iran deal or restore? The old Iran deal might be more accurate. If you're confused by that dynamic, we have somebody here to make sense of it. The former Israeli ambassador to the United States, Michael Oren, is joining us. Mr. Ambassador, great to have you on the show today. Good
3: me, with you, Amanda, John. Hello.
0: Thank you. Uh, We want to ask you uh, right off the bat. There's been a lot of talk about the uh, impending Iran deal, what's in it. Uh, something we haven't seen very often in American history. Many members of the negotiating team on the U.S. side have quit. At least three in the last few days to protest the concessions that the Biden administration is making. Tell us what's going on and what makes this deal so controversial.
3: It's very interesting because the people who have resigned are not political appointees. They're they're professionals in the State Department who are, how should I say, not exactly renowned for being you know overly pro-Israel, uh, not renowned for being anti. Uh, JCPOA, the 2015 Iran deal, so if they're resigning because America is making too many concessions, uh, that's reason for concern. Certainly, it's reason for deep concern here. Um, The Iran deal of 2015 uh, was uh, presented as a deal that would block Iran's path to the bomb. Now, that was a lie. It actually paved Iran's path to the bomb and assured that Iran, after a little more than a decade Uh, would be in a position to enrich enough uranium, not for one bomb, but for 100 bombs. And that agreement did nothing to stop Iran from developing uh, intercontinental ballistic missiles that could carry a warhead. It did nothing to stop them from actually building a warhead. And we know from the documents that our Mossad agents smuggled out of uh, Tehran in 2018 that the Iranians never ceased working. Uh, on a boarhead, which meant that you know within a decade Iran was going to be a nuclear power, but that was only the beginning of the problems in 2015. The, during, in the meantime, uh, sanctions would be lifted, uh, Iran would receive not tens but hundreds of billions of dollars in international transactions, and, and John and Amanda they weren't going to use that money to build schools and hospitals. They were going to use it to build missiles. Uh, right now, there's between 130 and 150,000 rockets in the hands of Hezbollah in Lebanon. Iraq is in the hands of Shiite militias in Iraq, in Houthi rebels who pro-Iranian in Yemen, and of course, Hamas in Gaza, which is backed by Iran. The goal would be to create a situation that when Iran broke out and created a nuclear weapon and Israel tried to stop it, we would be hit by tens of thousands of rockets and we'd be deterred. That's the whole Iranian strategy. 2015 laid the groundwork perfectly for that. Now, President Trump pulled out of that agreement in 2018. Israel applauded it. He put on very heavy sanctions, and those sanctions uh, were having effect. The Iranians weren't violating the agreement. They didn't start violating the agreement until it was sure that the next administration had won the the presidential election. And then they started violating it uh, on steroids because they knew that the next administration wanted to renew the deal, and the Iranians wanted to up uh, the ante wanted to up their, their ability to to up their leverage to get a better deal. And by all indications, they are going to get a better deal uh, for Iran uh, so bad that these uh, professionals in the State Department have quit. And better deal for Iran means a strategic and potentially existential danger with this country. And I'm going to say something radical and unequivocal, and that is that this deal, if it is what we think it is, what we fear it's going to be, will lead... Inexorably to a regional war. Wow.
2: Ambassador, wow. there are so many things that this Biden that this administration has done that that have appeared weak on the world stage. Obviously, our disastrous exit from Afghanistan. But Russian negotiator Mikhail Yulianov even said about the concessions made by the United States with respect to Iran, Russia, and China. He couldn't believe the concessions that they were able to get. That's forget Afghanistan I mean don't forget Afghanistan but but this is mortifying on an entirely different level
3: it, it is listen we're dealing with a regime it's important that your viewers understand this that never misses an opportunity uh, weekly if not daily pledges to destroy my country to kill 10 million of my countrymen and to kill my entire family uh, that's no joke that would be no joke for any g- country it's certainly no joke for the Jewish state uh, with our history of genocide Surviving genocide, so we have to take it very seriously. And these are people not just talking about; they're trying to kill us, and they're trying to kill not only Jews in this country, they're trying to kill uh, Jews around the world, including apparently, uh, purportedly, uh, some of the the sanctions have been lifted uh, on Iranian officials who are responsible for terrorist attacks around the world uh, against uh, against Jewish populations who are not Israeli, against Americans, um, and certainly American service people serving in, in in Iraq. Um, responsible, and we're back in Lebanon. The person responsible, reportedly, for the for the 1982 bombing of the Marine uh, Barracks in, in Lebanon. Um, so, obviously, I think I think that Mr. Putin actually took note of the fact, of the way not just the way America withdrew from Afghanistan, took note of the fact, of the way the United States was uh, cravingly seeking to uh, renew this Iran nuclear deal, willing to make any concession, willing to remove sanctions, and willing to remove a military option from the table. This was a big deal, uh, John and Amanda, because uh, during the Obama years, and that's when I was ambassador, uh, the Obama administration used to say all the time, all the options are on the table, including the military option. The Biden administration has said all options are considered, will be considered, but they have never once said there have been a military option. You, you think you can say that and people aren't going to notice, they're going to notice. And, you know, there was no military option for, for Ukraine either. Um, so I think that uh, that Putin took note of this. Uh, and uh, it contributed perhaps to his decisions uh, vis-a-vis the Ukraine. We are now in an absurd situation where the Russians have said that they will not agree to the Iranian nuclear deal unless the United States pledges in advance to exempt the, Iran- the Ukrainian sanctions from uh, the deal and allow Russia to do business with Iran once the deal was signed. Do you understand that? It's kind of complicated. Um, <laughs> tell me if you know, but it, it, I oh, think no. what, what, it's, what Putin it, understands is the degree to which the administration will pay for this deal and, at almost any price and pay with it in Ukrainian currency. Uh, that's what's extraordinary to us.
0: Yeah, and I think it is to most Americans. I don't think a lot of Americans know another part of this, which is you mentioned it briefly, but this whole period while this negotiation has been going on, Iran-backed rebels have repeatedly attacked U.S. troops in Iraq. Uh, They've uh, attacked uh, uh, allies in Yemen and other places. They've not been good actors during the period when they're asking for concessions from us. Why would the United States make concessions to a foreign power that has actually attacked American troops during this time of negotiation?
3: I think you have to, like, switch your your dial here because the more they shot, the better deal they got. Okay, Um, And so why stop shooting if you're getting a better deal with every rocket you shoot at American troops or every rocket you shoot at downtown Tel Aviv, as they tried last May. Those those rockets were made in Tehran. They weren't Mm -hmm. made in Gaza. And um, so you're getting a better deal. And the reasons for this are are actually um, kind of a mystery to us. And I think that's an understatement, a mystery. We we scratch our heads very, very deeply. Uh, It it appears that uh, within the Democratic Party, the, the JCPOA of 2015 has become sort of iconic. It's gotten sort of a holy grail the status, and uh, no one really cares what's in it, and uh, um, and because it was the signal uh, foreign policy achievement of the Bomb administration, and so this administration came ran in the in the presidential elections, promising to renew this, which is which is extraordinary because this administration also came into uh, into the White House promising to renew a confidence in the United States. Uh, among America's allies. And the last time I looked, we are American allies and some of our Sunni Arab neighbors are close American allies. And this agreement will betray us and deeply endanger us. This is also an administration that came in pledging to stand up for human rights around the world. Um, And Iran is one of the chief violators of human rights anywhere in the world. How do you reconcile giving a regime like this hundreds of billions of dollars? It's completely It is absurd in our eyes, and I think that's a mild turn.
2: Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Ambassador, I think that a lot of Americans uh, view the pressure being applied on Israel by countries like the United States and European countries as maybe not having a leg to stand on because uh, you have two diametrically opposed efforts as far as uh, the Iran nuclear deal, and at the same time, asking them to take part in this, uh, we are actively fighting against Israel's interests by renegotiating and possibly reentering the Iran nuclear deal. But Israel is fulfilling its moral obligation by taking in Ukrainian Jews, uh, which is more than you can say for some other European countries and the United States. Do you think that there is anything beyond the moral obligation for Israel to, to get tactically or kinetically involved?
3: Well, here I'm, I'm, I'm sort of an odd boy's house and I got to put my cards on the table. i do not not representing the state of Israel. I represent myself and I, I'm on the Israeli media every day, several times a day. And I have since the outset of this conflict, uh, I have said that I, rec- I recognize that Israel has an interest in maintaining open channels of communication with the Russian army is in Syria because our armed forces operate quite frequently in hitting Iranian bases and assets in Syria. Iran is trying to transform Syria into a forward firing base against Israel. And so we have to fly through airspace, airspace that's basically controlled by the Russian Air Force, We uh, operate on the ground. We have to go through areas that are, you know, under, uh, ostensibly under Russian control. So we have, we have very open communications. And for the last seven years, since the Russians entered Syria, we haven't had a clash. We haven't had it. And it's important. I understand that. But our relations with the United States, our relations with the West, are also important. And the fact that we would stand, I think that the point that we would stand, you know, four square uh, with the West against this invasion, against Tyri and the state and the side of, uh, of a country that's fighting for its freedom, for democracy. By the way, also a, a, a resistance that's being led by a proud and Zionist uh, Jew, President Zaleski. Um, I don't think that, that it's morally or strategically smart uh, for Israel to stand on the side and, and retain neutrality. Now, the Prime Minister, Prime Minister Benner, says that one of the reasons he has maintained neutrality is so that he can act as a mediator. And he has been acting as a mediator, and I think he's been very active in that way. But it's a gamble, because if the mediation fails, we're left being neutral and uh, and not having the moral high ground. And this, I literally just got off the Israeli news saying this. Uh, as we meet oh. this great threat of the Iranian nuclear deal, we're going to have to have a strong moral standing. Uh, we may not just, most certainly not just for um, for rhetorical purposes, but we Mr. may have Ma- to act kinetically about this. Yeah, Mr. And Ambassador,
0: World's we want to have- take a quick commercial break, sir. We're going to come right back with more with our interview with Ambassador Oren right after this commercial break. <laughs> Thanks to our good friends at Brickhouse Nutrition, Field of Greens is going to give you a 15% off discount plus free rush shipping. All you got to do is go to fieldofgreens.com and use the promo code JUSTNEWS for your discount. That's promo code JUSTNEWS at fieldofgreens.com. Fieldofgreens.com, promo code JUSTNEWS. Go check it out. Folks, if you owe back taxes, fair warning, you're not going to like this. The IRS is mailing millions of pay-up letters, millions I say,
2: Welcome back, everybody. I'm Amanda Head, alongside my co-host John Solomon. I want to bring back in our guest, former ambassador to Israel, Michael Oren. Michael, thanks for staying with us.
3: Good to be with you both.
2: I want to pivot just a little bit to the Abraham Accords. Uh, some some significant successes that took place under President Trump. What's the status of those?
3: Oh, they're they're holding fast. And, and expanding in various ways, and financial cooperation, strategic dialogue. Uh, our leaders have been there. Their leaders have been here. Uh, very heartwarming. Um, and the, frankly, you know, those agreements came about through many uh, historical processes. Uh, the realizing realization on the part of these Arab leaders that they weren't going to let the Palestinians uh, hold the peace process hostage by always saying no. Um, you know, everyone points out that the Palestinians didn't accept the Trump peace plan. Palestinians also spent eight years of the most uh, pro-Palestinian uh, administration in history of Barack Obama and never joined the peace program. I took place, I took part in the last negotiations with the Palestinians. That was, I like, think, 12 years ago, and, the, and they walked away. Um, so these Arab leaders were saying, OK, enough. We're just not going to put up with this anymore. We need Israel. Israel is uh, is not our enemy. It's our ally. It stands up to both Shiite and Sunni extremism. And at a time of American withdrawal from the Middle East and the world, we we need the state of Israel. That hasn't changed. And I think that if this Iran deal is published and it looks like it will be published, then the the glue, much of the glue of the of the Abraham Accords will be strengthened um, because we're all going to have to band together to face this greatly enhanced threat uh, from an enriched Iran.
0: Yeah, that's an amazing time. Last night, uh, Mr. Ambassador, I went to the grocery store after work and the family recognized me, stopped me for a second, asked a couple of questions. And they turned to their 12-year-old daughter, 13-year-old daughter, and she asked me the question I think everybody really wants to know, are we on the verge of World War III with what's going on in Europe? Give us your assessment of the Russia-Ukraine war thus far and what it really means for the continent at large.
3: Well, here's the bad news. I, I'm a, a combat veteran. I've participated in, in more than one war. Uh, and in, in two wars I participated, the wars were determined by one artillery shell. Uh, one Israeli artillery shell uh, fell on a building and killed a great number of, uh, of civilians. And that, ch- that changed the entire trajectory of the war. Uh, right now, there are thousands of Ukrainians in the metro stations underground in Kiev, um, Many tens of thousands fleeing the country. Um, all you need is one errant uh, Russian missile to hit that metro or to hit a line of refugees. And world opinion is going to change. It's going to put tremendous pressure uh, on Western governments, on the United States government to become more involved militarily, to maybe infect uh, a no-fly zone. Once you have a no-fly zone, you're going to have a Russian plane shot down. And that's when things begin to spiral. And uh, the possibility of an actual sort of tactical nuclear exchange leading to a a strategic nuclear exchange uh, is not beyond the realm of the possible. I've been saying this now for a couple of weeks, and now I've seen a number of of Washington think tanks have been gaming this out, and they reach the same conclusion: you're, you're one, you're one major incident away, and it's highly, highly, highly combustible. I can't tell you, even dangerous. Um, I also think that the longer that the Iranian, the the Ukrainian uh, resistance holds up against the Russian army. Again, the greater involvement will be of the United States and other countries to provide ammunition, uh, anti-tank, anti-aircraft missiles. I think Israel, even though it's been neutral, is going to start providing uh, defensive military uh, equipment, uh, helmets, um, ceramic uh, uh, vests. Um, It's going to change. And the time is definitely, definitely a factor here. Um, Diplomacy would be advisable. And uh, in that diplomacy, there's going to have to be a way to, for Mr. Putin to find a way down from his high tree, a uh, way down for the West to find a way to, to come out of the negotiations and say you know, that Putin didn't get anything uh, out of his aggression. Uh, not an easy task for diplomacy, but, but I think the risks are so great, uh, John and Amanda, that every effort must be made to try to find uh, face-saving devices uh, for all sides in this conflict.
2: And meanwhile, here stateside, I'm in California. So our gas prices, of course, are through the roof more so than other states. But we're up a dollar per gallon of gasoline than we were just a week ago. So gas prices are soaring. I just I just saw that, according to a source at the Associated Press this morning, that Joe Biden is considering ceasing the purchase of Russian oil. So our gas prices are going to go even higher. Great job.
3: It's uh it, it well gas in this country costs about four times what it costs in the United States. So uh we think yeah. overwhelming the United States are looking better and better all day. But yes, you know, it's gonna it, the degree to which the United States is gonna support uh, Ukraine, Ukrainian um independence and democracy, uh it's gonna involve a cost. There's no there's no cost free here. It just isn't. Um for us as well. Our gas prices are going up too. Um and you know, we have that strategic question of the degree to which we can continue cooperating with the Russia. Just in, in in Syria, um, I've also made some waves here. I got to be honest with you by saying I don't understand why Israel is so is always broadcasting fear uh, about the Russians in Syria. And I asked John before to take a guess how many Russian soldiers there actually are in Syria. I forget what did you say, John?
0: I said twenty thousand. I was off. <laughs> 20,
3: I was off. <laughs> it's only four thousand with a couple no. of dozen aircraft.
0: First um, time ever.
3: The Israeli <laughs> army, I want you to know, is more than twice as large as the British and French armies combined. All right. I don't think we have to be broadcasting too much fear of 4,000 Russian soldiers. I don't. And uh, if they want to take a shot at us, go ahead, because I think it, I think it's going to come out. Before. There's an old Spanish saying, it doesn't matter if the rock hits the pitcher or the pitcher hits the rock. It's going to be bad for the pitcher. OK, <laughs> I think this would be bad for the Russian pitcher.
0: Yeah. Mr. Ambassador, we got about a minute less. I want to ask you to just handicap the Biden administration's approach to diplomacy uh, we always hear peace through strength. Is this a peace through strength posture right now, or are we seeing something different from America? I
3: think it's a piece of a different type of strength. It's economic strength, and we yet we to see the true impact. Uh, I've had some conversations with friends in Moscow, and they are really hurting. They're really hurting. And so the, the, the sanctions are, are a, a tool. How effective? We don't know. We, we don't know whether, you know, Mr. Putin is rumored to be the, the wealthiest human being on earth, how he actually is impacted by this and whether he cares. Uh, We don't know yet. What I do know is that isolationism is probably one of the few uh, issues in Washington that still attracts bipartisan support. Uh, American people do not want to get involved in foreign wars anymore. I've I've become persuaded of that over the course of the years. Uh, And so at your disposal right now is is the economic terms. Uh, What I don't understand is how on one hand you can take a, a principled, strong, even economic position on the Ukrainian issue and then turn around. And lift sanctions on one of the most repressive regimes on earth for a deal that will at best delay a nuclear program for a couple of years, yeah. a couple of yeah. years delay. Absolutely. And in the process, enable Iran to threaten strategically and protect even existentially some of America's closest allies in the world. Yeah. That Ambassador.
2: Thank you so much for joining us. I hate to cut you off. We're up against a hard break, but everybody stick around. We've got more on these conversations with some great guests coming up after the break. We'll be right back.
0: Man, that sunset is gorgeous.
2: Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in.
0: Oh, burger time.
2: So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you.
0: I could stay here forever.
2: Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are.
0: All right, folks, that wraps up another edition of John Solomon Reports. Thank you, thank you, thank you for joining us today. A big thanks to Kat Kamek, the congresswoman from Florida, and Ambassador Oren for enlightening us on so many important issues. A lot of food for thought, a lot, a lot of worrisome developments in the world. And and people have to be honest with us about what's going on. I think Joe Biden was honest with us about one thing. Yep, you're going to feel more pain at the pumps are feeling it already. But I think there's a lot of dishonesty in what he said yesterday about not restraining American energy or North American energy. It's just simply not true. And the idea that we'd rather have Venezuelan gas rather than Texas gas, Iranian gas rather than Oklahoma gas, Saudi gas rather than Montana oil and gas, I don't quite get it. And I think most Americans may not. And the more that price goes up at the pump, the less tolerant they're going to be of this president's approach to not only the war but the economy here 1.5 trillion dollars Democrats trying to push it through quickly before people figure out what's in the bill that is a bad situation for transparency I think most people including Kat Kamek said that today and secondly it's not good it's not good for the economy to be tossing so much money on a fire that's already burning white hot The Federal Reserve is struggling to get a hold of inflation. A lot to be thought of there. Now, if you're thinking about that yourself and you want to try something different, you're like, you know, the world's a little scary. I need to diversify my financial portfolio. Our friends at Alto IRA have a great opportunity. They're going to let you trade in Bitcoin. Bitcoin. Ethereum, and over 80 other cryptocurrencies. That's right, get modern, get cool. China's thinking about cryptocurrency. Maybe you should be too, right? So here's the great deal. With Alto, you are able to get a tax-advantaged IRA that allows you to invest in cryptocurrencies. If you are ready to take your investments to that next level, to try something different, particularly with the market souring here, the traditional stock market souring here, diversify like the pros and trade without tax headaches, just open an Alto Crypto IRA with as little as. You are ready for this? You only need 10 bucks. That's how you open it, $10. So just go to altoira.com, A-L-T-O-I-R-A dot com slash just news, right? Altoira.com slash just news. One more time, that's A-L-T-O-I-R-A dot com slash just news, and you can begin your investment on cryptocurrency today and build a better retirement for yourself. What a great opportunity. They're one of the many fantastic companies that support Just the News. John Solomon reports. We can do our reporting and our news hunting like we do because we have such great sponsors. You, by the way, have great products and great services. Tonight on the show, Just the News, not noise. Tune in. The whole show is going to be about election integrity. When we're done, here's what I think you're going to realize. The claim that elections were flawed is a big lie. That's the Democratic claim. The big lie story behind January 6th, the Democrats say it's a big lie to say there's something wrong with the election. I'm going to give you 26 facts, 26 facts that prove that there were serious election irregularities in 2020. They're all documented. You're going to be able to proof, the document, the announcement, the report, the data. You won't have to take it. the indictment in some cases. Yeah, that's right. So, tune in for that. We've got Tom Fitton from Judicial Watch. He's fantastic. We've got the chairman for the Center for Election Integrity at AFPI. That's going to be a great guest. President Trump's national spokesperson, Liz Harrington, is going to come on to talk about the president's statement yesterday about Wisconsin. And Wisconsin State Assemblywoman Janelle Branchon. she's going to take the mantle from Justice Gableman and keep the investigation of Wisconsin election irregularities alive. She's going to be joining us as well. Six o'clock tonight, Eastern Time, Real America's Voice, Channel 219 on Dish, Channel 240 on Pluto, on Roku, on Apple, on Samsung, and, of course, the easy way, just go get the Just the News app click on watch and you'll find the show there at six o'clock every night all right folks god bless you god bless this incredible country of the united states as he always has thanks for listening and thanks to our guests for a very great discussion today about some pretty serious business all right we'll be back at it tomorrow with another edition of john solomon reports a podcast from just the news until then when you need that news fix you gotta hanker in for breaking news we got you covered all you gotta do is go to justthenews.com good night we'll be back tomorrow Hey, folks, can your IRA or 401k stand up to the next financial crisis that our top economists are saying is right at our doorstep? By allocating a percentage of your retirement into physical gold and silver with a tax-free rollover, you can diversify and safeguard your holdings from a turbulent market and economic downturns. All you got to do is put your IRA back on the gold standard. With a multi-trillion dollar trade deficit and ongoing geopolitical instability, experts say now is the time to make the switch. Find out how to safeguard your assets with a tax-free rollover with a Genesis Gold IRA, the only IRA that can hold physical precious metals. Protect your retirement today with one simple phone call and receive your free gold and silver guide from my good friends at Genesis Gold. To do that, call Genesis Gold Group today at 800-200-GOLD. gold That's 800-200-GOLD and find out how you can add precious metals to your IRA. One more time, let me give you the number. It's 800-200-4653. 800-200-4653, GOLD, or visit them at genesisgoldgroup.com. Genesis Gold, welcome to the John Solomon Just the News family. At Just the News, we break the stories others in the media ignore or are too afraid to tell. We did it on Russia collusion. Hunter Biden and the security and intelligence failures that preceded January 6th. Our stories have real impact and reach because we stick to the facts. I'm John Solomon. You can help me expand our honest, unvarnished, and unbiased reporting by becoming a premium member at Just the News. You'll get an ad-free experience and exclusive member-only access to events. And you'll be helping us dig up more truth. Join today at com slash
2: subscribe.